Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam, the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, the Ghost of Harrenhal, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, the Mother of Cats, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Kendall of House Taylor, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Captain of the Guard, Sir Dustin the Rooster Knight, Captain of the Guard, Sir Ron of House Golson, Captain of the Guard, Lady Amanda, Captain of the Guard. Welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into chapter 57, Sansa 5 of A Game of Thrones, and we have many more of your season 8 ravens still. Mm-hmm. Plenty to get through. Actually. Oh man, there's so much. Everyone's still talking about season 8. Uh, we're starting to see more and more talk about Blood Moon, the potential name for the upcoming prequel. Um, Gurr has been pretty busy. Uh, seems like he's been re- helping write a video game. Uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And wow. um, yeah, Sir Ezra, so much going on still in yeah. the world of Ice and Fire. That's what we want. That's what we want. <laughs> so that's good. I'm glad Gurr's busy, really. Um, I feel like he's been busy for years. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I don't know what he's doing. Sometimes it seems to me that he starts a task and then he doesn't, I don't know, does he finish it? Does he just get it going? You know, he's got these prequels. He kind of stirs the pot, uh, throws in the ingredients, turns on the fire and kind of walks away and lets somebody else, you know, see it, see it to the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited, though. I'm really excited for all this stuff that's coming out. The The prequel, um, you said there's a video game? Uh, it's not a Game of Thrones video game. It's just a video game that he has been working on. It was kind of teased uh, as you know, huh. E3 is going on right now. It's called Elden Ring. Uh, he's okay. working. He's helping write the story. It's being developed by um, the guys over at From Software. Um, yeah. People who people anybody who knows anything about them knows that they are the people who helped uh, make the Dark Souls games, which are you know these brutally difficult. Um, fantasy kind of action RPG games uh, where you, you play as you know a knight and you're walking through and you're fighting these big huge monsters and you die all the time I mean that is like the easiest thing to know about about that series is that is is they're known for their difficulty hmm. wow okay that's interesting I didn't know he was uh, working on that yeah it's kind of a so. kind of surprise uh, just kind of came out at E3 the other day it showing up at Microsoft's press conference so uh, pretty cool I'm excited for it. Uh, well, is it a surprise that he's working on another project? <laughs> That's not Game of Thrones. No, not necessarily. Uh, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
he's wins of winners done. I think so. It's done. So get get ready, folks. It's coming out twenty twenty. All right. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, at the top of the show, Sir Ezra and I like to plug our personal social medias. If you guys want to follow us there, you can check me out anywhere on the internet at Super Gains Bros on Twitter, Instagram, pretty much anywhere on the internet. Sir Ezra, where can people find you? Yeah, over at uh, Wamprat underscore two M. Check me out there. Kind of been um, got a nice little pinned tweet. Everyone should go check out a little Star Wars slash Game of Thrones crossover. You mm-hmm. should definitely go check out and and like. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, all right. We've uh, what, what else? I mean, do we have any other channel updates. I feel like we've got oh, Raven's Nest. We we've got that coming up, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, I just thought of that actually. Yeah, so, it's gonna, yeah. This Saturday, this Saturday on the fly business this meeting. This Saturday, <laughs> uh, we've been we've been planning it. Um, let's go ahead and narrow down a time right here on air, Sir Ezra. I'm gonna say. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? I'm thinking eight Eastern Standard yeah. Time. Okay, just f- yeah. which so, is five so. o'clock Pacific time. Yeah, which is That's fine with me. I don't know somewhere some other time, depending on what time zone you live in. Hey, friends, that's how it's done. Okay, mm-hmm. that is how you plan Raven's Nest. Yeah, and it's <laughs> let's just let's, yeah let's just go ahead and make it about it's going to be season eight. Um, yeah. your kind of thoughts on the finale. Uh, I think we'll kind of do like a, like a, um, same thing we did last time where we just kind of went round Robin. Everyone gets a, gets a chime in and say what kind of what they thought about the, the finale and, and the season as, as a whole. Yeah. I think that'll be a lot of fun. We've had a couple of collaborations where we've talked to folks and, uh, gotten, gotten their thoughts, but I think it's always interesting when we talk to our bannermen because mm-hmm. we've got a wide variety of people who like different characters and who, um, have some strong opinions about the season. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So that'll be fun. Uh, okay. All right. Well, sir, is there, I think uh, let's go ahead and head on to the Maester study here. I think you have a little bit of uh, kind of a house yeah. history that you want yeah. you want to yeah. get through here. I want to talk about just well, a little bit. Yeah, something kind of struck. So when something strikes me in the reading, you know, originally when we had designed the Maester's study. Uh, we kind of thought we'd start with the world of ice and fire, work our way through that, which we did. We still have a few um, regions, specific things or houses we could go back to, uh, things like that. We then we went into fire and blood, and we've kind of ceased fire and blood for for, for the time being. Uh, may post some stuff about it on our Black Council there on Patreon, but it just, ugh, I mean, talk about dry. It it mm-hmm. got dry for a while. Mm-hmm. There's some really good parts to it, but it just was like unbelievable we needed to really whittle it down to like two to three takeaways uh and and we'll bring that back uh for sure but today you know in the in the reading when something hits me and and, and i can think of like some of the histories for example uh later on we'll find that joffrey is kind of wanting the other lords of the realm to sort of pledge themselves to him there's this big scroll maester uh, Pycel kind of reads from it, and House Hollard came up, uh, Sir Dantos, and I was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, no, no, no. He's not already right, but 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 there he is. He's he's listed, and uh, in this chapter. And so I thought I would bring his house history up just a little bit. He's he's only mentioned. I mean, he's literally just I think briefly mentioned once in this chapter, but um, he comes from an actual like a, a noble house. I mean, they were, uh, 
very prevalent. Uh, they're known for the defiance of Duskendale. So the Mad King, King Ares, uh, basically, it's, it's called the defiance of Duskendale, and it took place during his reign. And uh, Den- uh, let's see, let's see. Dennis Darklin was actually the one, he's kind of convinced by uh, Lady Sorella, his wife, to take Ares captive. So this is where you get some of that... Uh, uh, Barristan Selmy story in, in his sort of his big uh, his big moment. So we have Barristan Selmy in this chapter. He has a, a huge moment. Sir Matt, I would say it's it's like the biggest part of the chapter we, that we want to get to and we want to cover. Mm-hmm. It's cer- it's certainly Sir Barristan Selmy's one of his most badass moments. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so you know the the king is captured here, and I'm not going to go into all the different you know politics and. And everything, but I just thought it was interesting that this house, House Hollard, is basically it goes um, almost extinct after after they had captured Ares, and then it was a, the situation was basically that that Barristan Selmy, uh, one of the Kingsguard, entered the Dunfort and rescued the king, and he kind of sneaks in, right? He kind of crawls in. He has this epic moment. He frees him. Uh, Tywin Lannister and Rhaegar are outside with their host. And really, I don't know. Remember, Tywin was kind of at odds with Ares at the time, right, Sir Matt? He was mm-hmm. kind of, uh, yeah, you know, he, he had showed up there to rescue his old friend, but but really, Rhaegar's there. And so, if the Mad King dies, not the worst of situations, I guess. You know, they, they've got Rhaegar, and he was already kind of causing some trouble and, and trying to blame things on on Tywin, and, and they had uh, some some turmoil in their relationship. So... It was just interesting that um, this defiance happens. He he's he's captured, and Barristan Selmy <laughs> keeps the old Mad King around mm-hmm. you know, for, for for a little bit longer, right? And, because uh, you, but, you 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 look at the situation like when Tywin shows up, you know his his relationship with the Mad King had become very estranged and 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 troubled at at that point. But um, you know you have to. You you ha- it it certainly seems like Tywin's in this position where well if the Mad King dies well you know wouldn't necessarily be the worst yeah. thing in the world right right and, and one of this this really kind of happened over over taxes right it, it happens because um, Lord Denny's kind of refuses to to pay taxes after Ares uh, denied his demands of a certain uh, of of certain rights for his subjects and a town uh, charter for Duskendale so this was a a roundabout, I can't remember exactly, but but I know that Ares was kind of going through and undoing some of what Tywin had done, or undoing it and then redoing it. You know, so so if if if, if uh, Tywin lowered taxes, the Mad King would would uh, undo that, and then he would come in and he would lower taxes. He would raise taxes and, and blame it on Tywin, and then he would come in and lower it and and take all the credit for it. So it was just one of those times where it was um, starting to get a little bit edgy, a little bit dicey between between the two. And, uh, yeah, Sir Ellen Payne ends up losing his tongue mm-hmm. <laughs> during during these yeah. times and uh, because of the stuff that he said about the Mad King. So um, but yeah, so House Holler, though, uh, which which had served House Darklin during the Defiance and had this close relationship with with their lords there. Uh, they were basically that this like like this castle, you know, is, is torn down that the members of that house were executed. Only young Dantas was spared. Because Sir Barristan asked for mercy. And how could the king refuse when he was the one who, who came in there and, and rescued him? So I just thought it was interesting that he showed up in here. He's got this connection to Barristan Selmy. 
And, you know, we have so a little bit of history on the Mad King and, and, and this house that has basically gone extinct. And then he turns out to be, as we know later, this drunken knight uh, that will kind of interact with, with, with Sansa later. So really, really just an interesting interesting time and and one of one of Barristan Selmy's coolest moments and then we have another cool moment here for him as well too so mm-hmm. thought I'd bring it up in the Maester study just as a quick little quick little aside just some some background yeah so uh all right well this week uh, as we get to the reread we are in Sansa 5 uh last week we were with uh Tyrion 7 where Tyrion uh, met his father's army at the inn at the crossroads uh, escorted by 300 Vale Mountain clansmen, Tyrion and Lord Tywin were discussing their war plans when Tyrion's clansmen burst in, but Tywin handles them coolly. When news arrives that Robb Stark host is advancing, Tywin offers them rich rewards to the clansmen if they fight for him. Last time we were with Sansa, on the third day after sneaking out to tell Queen Cersei of her father's plans to send her away, Sansa is summoned from her house uh, arrest. She is brought before the Queen and the small councils she is Uh, informed that her father is a traitor and persuaded to write letters to her relatives explaining what has happened. This week in Sansa 5, Sansa attends Joffrey's first court session as king. After an official call for all the noble houses to pledge their fealty, the small council announces a number of new appointments. When he is dismissed from the Kingsguards, Jabaris and Selmy storms out. In his place, the Hound is anointed to the Kingsguard. Finally, Sansa comes forward to ask uh, for leniency of her father, and it is... Uh, and it is agreed that mercy will be granted if he confesses and names Joffrey the true king. Mm. Wow. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it's, the, this young king's taken over. He's taken over. It's, it's, it's his turn to, uh, to, to sit the Iron Throne. And even though he has a regent, right? His mother's mm-hmm. still queen regent. And uh, you hear her talk quite a bit. Cersei Lannister is going to, uh, to do a lot of the talking for mm-hmm. her son in this chapter. Yeah. But. Um, as always, I, I usually like to read just about the first paragraph because the first paragraph really of the, uh, the Gurr's writing, the first paragraph just sets the tone for the whole chapter. Um, mm-hmm. the walls of the throne room had been stripped bare. The hunting tapestries that King Robert loved taken down and stacked in the corner in an untidy heap. Yeah. It well, is a new yeah, day I mean, in King's Landing. Yep. He is, he's dead and they've moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's not, it, it's, and also it seemed to me that like Sansa was mourning, right? So, so we find out later what she's wearing. She's, she's kind of in mourning and, and she picks her garments that they, they really focus. I mean, you know, it's, it's her point of view, but like, it doesn't seem like from the, the it seems like they move the, they take those tapestry down and the, and they move on pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're not really, um, mourning. King Robert as, as maybe they should, or, or, or as, as one would think. Mm-hmm. So, well, even, yeah, even yeah. in the book, it's kind of, he dies and that's, that's kind of it. All right. Joffrey's here. Joffrey's King. Now it's, it's go time. Cause it, it happens under such chaos. Um, yeah. It's not just a quick, it's not just a transition. It's, Oh, Joffrey is Robert dies, but Ned storm storm essentially storms the, the throne room with his men. And then he gets taken uh-huh. alive and, the whole deal you, you have to wonder i know we get a little bit more later on but just what all these different lords and what people down in dorne thought at this time of you know as you said king robert's dead um edard stark is taken into custody you've got the lannisters rising and kind of probing house tully and and uh, catelyn stark has taken Tyrion lannister i mean it's 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 kind of a 
a crazy time. You just kind of wonder what these other lords think. And, and that's what I thought was interesting in this chapter is that you have a, this list of people that still needed to kind of come in and, and pledge themselves to, to Joffrey. So some, some really big heavy hitters and, and people who will eventually uh, come pledge to him. But we've got, uh, we've got a clash of Kings first. We've got mm-hmm. some, got some battles. Uh, to take yeah. It place. Seemed, I mean, there's clearly a lot of moving pieces. All, all at once. So if you're somebody in Dorne or the Wall, I mean, when John finds out about it, it seems like it's 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 happened so long ago. When Tyrion finds out about it, it feels the same way. It feels like it happened so long ago. So news mm-hmm. doesn't travel so quickly in the in the Seven Kingdoms. So mm-hmm. it seems like everyone's on you know like on tape delay, right? When they're getting their news. Right. Right. Exactly. So uh, a character that pops up in this chapter that I just can't stand is is Slint. You know, he's so so he comes up so so almost right away. He he's a character in this, and I just I was thinking about different characters who who emerge as as you were t- uh, talking there, Sir Matt, and it's like th- this is the first court session of of Joffrey's reign. So you see all these new new people showing up, and I'd almost forgotten that. Joffrey has to kind of replace people on the small council, right? That's that's another piece to this, not just having people come from different regions to uh, pledge themselves, but he's got appointments to make, and he's got... Uh, so it's it's sort of a getting everything organized, getting his cabinet organized, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, you know, one of the things I really like about this chapter, Sir Ezra, is... Sansa's internal dialogue as all of this is going on as uh, we'll get to the Barristan Selmy scene and things like that um, she clearly wants to say something and she keeps having these internal dialogue um, kind of moments where she says uh, she thinks to herself I shouldn't be afraid she told herself I have nothing to be afraid of it will come out well Joff loves me and the queen does too she said so this is when she's thinking about Mm -hmm. um, saying you know please forgive please forgive my father and then I have another one highlighted um, here later. Let me just pull it up here. Um, well, maybe well, perhaps I don't. But uh, she has these these kind of thoughts throughout. Well, here, I got one for you. Yeah, it, it will take a flock of ravens to send out these commands. You, all this italicized stuff, right, where mm-hmm. she's speaking in, in her, in her, to herself. Yeah. But, it, what, yeah, but it. what it reminds me of is it reminds me of Danny, who's in a similar a uh, situation where she where she's thinking about I am the blood of the dragon. Like uh-huh. it's just that that internal monologue and it's just two female characters, two strong, you know, independent female characters as they're kind of becoming slowly mm-hmm. beginning to become they're going both of them are going through transformations this 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 uh yeah. this first book. Um Sansa from the character she thought she would become a, a queen and life would be so great to while everything's kind of bad. And uh-huh. right. Danny in a similar situation, although I think Danny obviously rises to some sort of power a lot quicker a lot, a lot more quickly than Sansa uh, as throughout their character arcs, but I just I just think I just found it really interesting that they both have that that similar type of internal monologue mm-hmm. style, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and actually towards the end of this chapter I, I was just looking at all the uh, um all of those uh italicized uh bits and and she says, yeah, I must be as strong as my lady mother. Uh, God's give me the courage. I must do it now. You know, she's trying to work up that strength. But but yeah, you see 
her her development in in that sort of um that inner inner dialogue there mm-hmm. so yeah i like that as well i like that that's that's pretty neat right above that first one is i just found sardantus there so he's he's chatting with sir balin um and i don't know if that's the sardantus i just i just looked at it and thought um well yeah then the, the up, up above there it says when a funny drunken sardantus um started to hail her sir balin swan whispered in his ear and turned uh, turned him away. You know, as Sansa's coming into the court, she's noticing that, number one, there's a lot of people who used to be there who aren't there anymore. And it's just like Renly Baratheon. People have just ducked out of the city. People who knew where their loyalties were at or or just maybe, maybe wanted to take advantage of this situation or uh, knew that they were more friendly with the Baratheons. Who knows? But there are people that Sansa doesn't see in the court that she expects to see and then, you know, you've got someone like S- S- Drunken Sardantos who's kind of waving and wanting to say something and greet her, and everyone else is snubbing her, completely snubbing her. Uh, she's, it's almost like she's, uh, she's got the plague or something. You know, they, they, they you can't be seen talking to her and being too friendly. They almost know and are foreshadowing her fate. They know that she's, she's, she's tainted in a way mm-hmm. here, here at, the, at King's Landing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, so another uh, kind of cool thing here is they start they start naming people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lord Stannis Baratheon, Lord Renly Baratheon, Loras Tyrell, Mace Tyrell, Hoster Tully. Uh, they're just going through this this whole list. So many, um, you know, the whole flock of ravens to send out these commands, right? And at the mm-hmm. end yeah. uh, came the name Sansa has been dreading: Lady Catelyn Stark, Rob Stark, Brandon Stark, Rickon Stark, Arya Stark, Sarya. Sansa uh, stifled with a grap Arya. They wanted Arya to present herself and swear an oath. It must have mean her sister had fled out on the galley. She must be safe at Winterfell by now. Yeah, you know, Sansa, Arya gets out of there, and we don't really get any of that dialogue or internal thinking mm-hmm. thoughts with Sansa about, oh, by the way, what happened to Arya? Yeah, right. And, and she assumes since they... Because I'm guessing she she would assume that they're wanting her. She would have made the same pledge that that Sansa made, or written her own letter back to Winterfell if she were there in the custody of the of the Lannisters. So it's like she must have made it, and they're calling for her to to come back and and bend the knee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of gives her hope a little bit that that her sister made it, and it's a she just believes that she's out there maybe with some loyalist to House Stark, and and they're heading back. To Winterfell, that's that's hopeful, wishful thinking, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, some of those names. I mean, you've got like, I, I thought what it did is, th- th- they're mentioning um, the Prince of Dorne is mentioned in there. You've got House Bracken, um, House Went is mentioned, uh, Blackwood, Titus Blackwood is mentioned, Walter Frey. Uh, these are people that are being called upon to come pledge themselves, and they're. They're the major players in the in this uh, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. so got to make sure that they bend the knee. Mm-hmm. And a- and after a lot of that, they start they start naming people to new people to council and to seats. Right? They name mm-hmm. Tywin Lannister, new hand of the king. Uh, they say uh, Stannis Baratheon. Right? Um, they say his mom's going to replace him on the small council. And then right. she's uh, then he summons forth Jaina Slint, who you said you know he's kind of slimy, we don't like. And not only is he is he now leader of the uh, city watch, he also gets uh, the ancient seat of Harrenhal, which, as any book reader will tell you, is about the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Oh, right, yeah, it's cursed, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
not not good. Um, yeah, that's interesting. You know, one thing that was the, the murmuring that goes on when Queen Regent Cersei Lannister is put on the council, it seemed like, um, let's see, whenever that was at, I felt like there was, like that was kind of interesting that she is a, a woman on the council. I know that there's been other queen regents and things, but it's just interesting to kind of to kind of think about. You know, mm. she she plays such yeah, a yeah. Sansa heard a role. soft murmuring from the lords around her, but it was quickly uh, styled. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, they're just worried about the some of that backlash, but it was it it seemed to indicate that this was unexpected uh, and it was uncommon practice, really. So. That why not why not pick someone else to sit on the council and let her be, um, the regent? Does she have to be a regent to sit on the council? I I don't know that. No, she, I don't think she would. I don't think she would need to be. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. We've seen in some of the histories in the Targaryen history uh, that that's not the case. They've got a full small council, and yet you've got um, you've, you've got, yeah you've got regents mm-hmm. so. Um, Kind of ruling there until the king comes comes of age, which is crazy too. That if she is a regent, I mean, Joffrey has so much say, and he he really wants to wield his power right away, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then uh, kind of comes, I guess I would say the big the point number one of this chapter, which is. Yeah. Um, as Lord Slint took his place, Grand Maester Pycelle resumed. Lastly, in these times of treasons and turmoil, with her beloved Robert, Robert so lately dead, it is the view of the council that the life and safety of the king is of paramount importance. He looks to the queen. Cersei stood. Sir Barris and Selmy stand forth. Yeah. And uh, anybody who's seen the show or, you know, obviously read this read this chapter, we kind of know what happens next is that Sir Barris and Selmy is dismissed from the Kingsguard. Yeah, which is one a terrible idea on stupid. On, it's absolutely stupid, stupid uh, because even to this point, Sir Barris and Selmy is one of the best knights, and uh, he's you know he's in the, in the show. Uh, I could cut through the I could cut through you like butter, and I'm sure he could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very very certain that that he could. Um, but it's it's more of a show of power that hey, this is again this kind of you go back to the first lo- the first opening little paragraph there. All of the stuff from Robert's days are being taken out. This is a new beginning in King's Landing. This is a new, yeah, yeah, it's a for new sure. King. You know, right? And what's crazy about this is is Joffrey kind of accuses Sir Barristan of letting his father die. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so it's just it's 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 unreal. You know, when when Barristan kind of makes the statement that he served three kings, and it's just like yeah, and they, and and they all died. Well, you know it. it one of the reasons that one of the kings died is because the Kingslayer, which he which he brings up, yeah, that because uh, they, they promote Jamie Lannister to Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, and he says Kingslayer. Sir Barristan said his voice hard with contempt. The false knight who profaned his blade with the blood of the king that he had sworn to defend. Uh, wow, I mean, so he really everything is just you really get to see what he thinks of Jamie there, and also made me made me kind of wonder how much Jamie had told who who was left to tell just Barrist and Selmy, right? Who, 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 which, which of the uh, Kingsguard are left over from, from Ares? You've got Barristan, you've got Jamie. Um, were there others? That's it. Two. Well, yeah, I mean, 
once you start going to well, those deeper theories, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. yes, possibly right. is possibly is Arthur Dane's uh, alive. Yeah, all those sure, people, right? Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, so then they, um, you get uh, Littlefinger who says all of them dead, referring to the kings. Cersei says your time is done. And it's Lord Varys who says, we are not unminded. Uh, we're not unmindful of your service, good sir. Lord Tywin Lannister has generously agreed to grant you a handsome tract of land north of Lannisport besides the sea with gold and men sufficient to build you a stout keep and servants to your every need. Sir Barrison looked up sharply, a hall to die in, and men to bury me. So I just like, though, that it's Varys who tries to kind of calm the situation, but still in a uh-huh. tactful way. Yeah, and, and I, I was reminded, too, that they both seem like they're servants for the realm. That was something that Barristan brought up, is that, that what he does and his service here and, and him being a knight... Uh, is for the greater good it's it's for the realm and then you have Varys kind of being one who often says that he's working on behalf of the realm Mm -hmm. and uh, he's the one trying to calm everything down just interesting little little nugget there um there was also a bit I don't know if we missed it but but where uh oh yeah Sir Gerald Hightower himself heard my vows I thought that was kind of neat. So he brings up the White Bull. He brings up Prince Lewin of Dorne, um, Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning. You know, he brings up these great knights that he fought with. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to forget to mention those. I know we did mention just that he was one of the last remaining, but these were some of the the best. I mean, the the the, the Kingsguard is kind of turned into a joke, really. And and, and Barristan believes that if you're going to follow Jamie Lannister, who he's already called a false knight then you're not worthy of, of, of this position. You're not, you're not a true knight. You know, if you're going to follow a false knight, essentially, then uh, he, he kind of says that to the other five that are, that are standing there. Right. And um, yeah, but you know, so, so, and Cersei warns him, you know, as, as you said, she, she hops all over him and then Varys kind of uh, tries to calm everything down. But, but yeah, you know, it goes a step further too. He takes his, um, this is where he starts to kind of take his cloak off. And he takes his breastplate off. He takes his uh, um, doesn't even take a sword out. And I think he it mm-hmm. doesn't. He, he throws it. Yeah, he says, "Here, boy, melt it down and add it to the others if you like. It will do more good uh, than the swords in the hands of these five. Perhaps Lord Stannis will chance to sit on it when he takes your throne. Mm. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. You know, it, it, it's it's over. There's no coming back from those words." Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, and it's just right. it's just before that. Even now, I cut through the five of you as easy as a dagger cuts cheese. I, I'm pretty. I think in the show he says cut through you like butter, um, but uh-huh. you know, same same type of same yeah. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, I, but then I, I like here where Joffrey um, says he called me boy. Joffrey said peevishly, sounding younger than his years. He talked about my uncle Stannis too. Idle talk, says Ferris. Uh, without meaning, he could be making plots with my uncles. I want to him seized and questioned. You know, no one's moved. He says, I want him seized and questioned. Uh, Janice Slint rose from the council table. My gold cloaks will see it to your grace. Well, they don't see to it because, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> he ends up killing a couple right. of them on his way out without a sword. That's how much of a boss Barris uh-huh. and Selmy is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he kind of takes the guys and, and he's he's something else. I absolutely love him. One of my favorite, favorite characters. 
He's he's just we, Sir Matt and I love to do the whole who would win in a fight, you know, situation. We like to put him up against. And Sir Matt will tell you that he would win versus everyone. Well, I don't know anymore. Really? Yeah, I think, I, think, I think there's one character he may that he 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 may lose to. Please don't say Grey Worm. No, I was gonna say wait, wait. I was gonna say Arya. <laughs> At the, uh, you know, Arya, like from okay. where if we wow. project out, you know, where she will be. You yeah, know, yeah, show yeah. Arya, show Arya if book Arya goes the same way. I mean, heck, I don't know, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's so cool because it's the same thing that we do sometimes with with like Jedi Knights. We're like in his prime mm-hmm. or in her prime. <laughs> <laughs> who would win in a fight mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fun to do so but he's he's definitely one of the best and we'll pay attention to him as he makes his his trip over um to essos and and and, and be yeah oh there. yeah there's plenty more bears to sell me to come yeah uh okay so then the next the next thing that happens is we get uh if we might resume the seven are now six we find ourselves in need of a new sword for your king's guard uh, Joffrey smiled. Tell the mother. The king and council have determined that no man in the Seven Kingdoms is more fit to guard and protect his grace than his sworn shield, Sandor Clegane. How do you like that dog? Uh, king Joffrey asked. So this is where they talk a little bit about well, you can't join the king's guard if you're not a knight. And mm-hmm. Joffrey said, uh, "Yeah, you know, he- it's pretty much like well, too bad. He's a, he's a king's guard now." Yeah. Right. And. That is interesting. He's, he basically says he's not going to take any vows. So it's 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 really, as much as I like him and I, I, I like the Hound, It you just sent away one of the noblest knights of all time and then you replace him with someone who's not a knight, mm-hmm. essentially, and, and and will not take any oaths or vows or what what have you. And it, it just doesn't, it's unorthodox and it, it's, I don't know. Well, he just did something yeah. entirely unorthodox by dismissing somebody from the Kingsguard. Sure. Sure, he did. It just means the whole, uh, the whole group. It just it just falls apart here, mm-hmm. and this is this is a real switch in transition here. Just to s- some of these guys are just cutthroat, just sell almost sellsword like guys that you just yeah they're pretty good, but they just don't have the I don't know the, the, they don't carry with the, that that weight that you when you hear Sir Arthur Dane or you hear some of these other. Um, characters i don't know like even sir balen swan in the in this is um a bigger deal and and i feel like some of these other knights um that we're just more drawn to because of their behaviors because of their their what do you call it um they're just good guys they're just good people they they're they're fighting for honor and things right and and these guys turn into really just a batch of of cersei's um you know um i don't know underlings almost in a sense Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, so I think uh, Sandor, yeah, he 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 does what he wants. He's he's sort of going along. Yeah, he'll be in the King's Guard, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So uh, the next thing that happens is this is when Sansa comes forward. Uh, I must do it. Uh, I must do it now. Gods give me courage. She took one step, then another. Lords and knights stepped aside silently to let her pass, and she felt the weight of the eyes on her. I must be as strong as my lady mother, Your Grace. Your grace, she called out in a soft, uh, tremulous voice. The height of the Iron Throne gave Joffrey a better vantage point than anyone else in the hall. He was the first to see her. Come forward, my lady, he calls out, smiling. So she comes forward. And uh, do you have some business with the council? She says, I do. 
as it pleased your grace, she asked mercy on her father. And this is where they be, uh, pretty much they all begin to hound her about how, you know, traitor's blood and what have we told you about traitor's blood. And Joffrey only to essentially his, it's his mom who kind of convinces him, uh, you know, treason is treason. He asks his mother. Cersei says, if Lord Eddard were to confess his crime, we would know that he had repented his folly. Uh, Sansa, uh, please, Sansa thought, please, please be the king. I know you are good and noble. He says only the, that as you love me, you do this uh, kind me. Uh, you do you do me this kindness, your uh, my prince. Your sweet words have moved me. I shall do as you ask, but first your father has to confess, has to confess and say that I'm the king, or there will be no mercy for him. He will, Sansa said, heart soaring. Oh, I know he will. Oh, I, yeah, poor Sansa, you know, she, she just wants to, she, she's being very brave here. I mean, she, she still is, is really naive and, and she's not picking up on some of those cues that everyone kind of thinks she's tainted in a way and that she's got this traitor's blood and this is all mentioned. Uh, it, it's just not going, unless her whole family comes down and bends the knee, there's really no way for them to be redeemed and for her truly to be queen. And, and it's. It's just sad because it's not that she's in love with Joffrey. She's in love with the idea of becoming queen. Right. And right. Mm -hmm. So and then through that, though, she also has she she does care about her father and she thinks that she has this connection and she believes that Joffrey loves her. She has that moment where she tries to do these little almost like coy little gestures where she 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 hides a smile and, and tries to make, you know, good eye contact or body language with Joffrey to try and persuade him. He almost does seem moved a little bit by it. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's def there's a lot more conversation going on between he and his mother behind the scenes. I will say that. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because, uh, he, he will, he will confess his crimes, uh, and, he, and he'll do what he has to do for his, for his daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, is he's, he's not, he's kind of defiant, right now and he's he's definitely not given in but when you bring his his family and and his and his uh and Sansa into it put her life at at, at stake he'll he'll probably do anything right yeah yeah very, I, very Catelyn Tully yeah exactly he will he that's ultimately his he always wants to do the honorable thing and then at the end he he does something to protect his family he does something in a way that's mm -hmm. kind of you could say like selfish right uh, but that's mm -hmm. yeah. but that's you could almost well, argue is is his story from the get go is he essentially lies to everyone about John. Yeah. So it's not yeah. it's not really something that is entirely out of his his possibility. And I, and I hope that that's something that is brought up later Um you know, like when Sansa, maybe when Sansa thinks about that, if we, if it does go that way in the books and we get some thoughts on if, you know, when she finds out John is really Aegon Targaryen, if it goes that same way in the books and it's kind of revealed full circle, you know, this is just more about who Eddard Stark is for his family. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Right. So, uh, Okay, well, I mean that's that's pretty much the uh, the chapter, right? I mean, there's they they kind of go on for a little bit, just talking about that. 
Varys almost feels sorry for her, right at the end. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's just tr- they try to she's an innocent and she's she's doing this just just um, she's just so innocent. And she really does not uh, understand. She you're right when you said earlier like she and Danny really do kind of grow the most almost I don't know and and uh, or they're similar they're almost opposites I, of each yeah, other yeah I'd say they I'd say their arcs are their arcs are somewhat similar but they're in different situations you know I mean Danny mm-hmm. gets an army and and so I mean Sansa does but it's much later that mm-hmm. that she does Sansa certainly more shackled by her situation than than Danny is because once Danny gets her dragons she can kind of, she is more in a position to be able to kind of do what she wants. Whereas right. Sansa doesn't really get any power in the books. I mean, she still doesn't really have that, that kind of leverage uh, in the show. Once she gets the Knights of the Veil, then that's a different story. Right. Okay. All right. Um, I was going to do something. Maybe I'll do this, this later on as, as sort of a cool connection. There is a mention of... You know how around Sansa you, you often see uh, butterflies or moths or winged s- sort mm-hmm. of imagery, right? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. I was trying to do a little bit of digging on Reddit and then just, just here in the chapter. There's a couple references to feeling butterflies in her stomach and, and things like that that I thought were interesting. So if you're into that or you, you want to go look up some theories or you want to try to track down some of this stuff around Sansa and the imagery that's around her, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting to to look at even when she's traveling with um, later on in the story, uh, oftentimes inside of her lantern is a, is a moth or, or, or some creature. And it's, it's, a, it's in a lot of her, remember we talked about that being in her woven into her dresses quite often mm-hmm. in the, in this, in the HBO show. So I just started noticing as I was glancing back through some of these uh, final paragraphs and, and, and her talking about how she felt uh, going to make this request to Joffrey. So that's something maybe we'll cover at a different time. Cause there's been quite a bit of work done on that front. So, okay. But all right. I think that's it. My friend, uh, that it was kind of a short chapter. Yeah. I mean, it was, was, it's a short chapter. Uh, I mean, it's mostly just, it's mostly the Barris and Selmy bit and then the Sansa begging for, for mercy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we've got a couple, uh, Ravens here, and uh, I just want to give a shout out to Sir, to, to uh, Sir Ralph the Dornish Wolf. I actually think we read his Raven last week or the week after, but he sent us a couple, and as as uh, he's he's manning the wall and has uh, signed up on Patreon, so we wanted to give him a shout out. Yeah, uh, because I'm pretty sure we read this and just uh, his some of his origin story, and he's got some thoughts on on Bran and uh, warging or or skin changing into Drogon and different things things that we thought were going to happen. Uh, going into the last couple episodes, so looking forward to hearing more from him uh, as we as we dive back into the the books here. So, okay, let's see. First, uh, who do we have here? Um, Lady Debbie Krause, mm-hmm. I think, is is our first Raven. Mm-hmm. So, all right, here we go. Season eight. I was disappointed in the holes and the um, the slack slash rusted plot points, but. After seeing the last watch, so that was something that Sir Matt and I wanted to, the reason we chose this Raven is we, I think we're going to still do, aren't we, on, on Patreon, sort of a, uh, our thoughts on the last watch, because mm-hmm. seeing it really does change. I mean, s- seeing the reactions that some of our actors and cast members have towards the reading of that script was kind of powerful. 
and it actually not 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 that it really ch- it didn't change a lot of of what I felt about the the the, the series, but it, it was it it almost did. <laughs> it, it 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 was it was it was powerful. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, after seeing the last watch wrap up, I got a whole new appreciation for the superhuman effort, uh, put in by the people quote in the shadows, makeup personnel, um, poor mom and dad goers. Uh, so glad their little girl got to be in game of Thrones, uh, wardrobe experts, special effects, people, uh, CGI techs, logistic team, choreography, stunt people. Uh, yeah. So, so all of those are the, the, uh, what was Vlad Furtick, right? He's the, uh, um, the, the night King, mm-hmm. the, so he gets, he gets that, uh, that, that role, uh, stunt coordinator from Croatia. Yeah. So the extras, wow. Uh, and God bless the, the enthusiasm of Andrew, uh, McClay. So that, that, that is a really neat doc. If you get a chance to, to go check that out and, and watch it, if you're a show watcher, book reader, what have you, it, it is a lot of work that they put into it. Have you had a chance sir Matt to to see it yet or see some of it uh, I've seen highlights of it I haven't I just haven't had the, yeah. the chance to watch it yet I kind of plan on doing that this weekend but I've, yeah. I've definitely seen the highlights of it of you know Kit Harrington reading uh mm-hmm. <laughs> what what he's what he's gonna do and just kind of the uh, instant emotion that kind of takes over him is just like is is pretty pretty awesome D- did that change any of you uh, you know how, how you felt about that scene did, did any of that just seeing his reaction to um, the reading of the script, did that affect you? No, not really. I, I, st- I still think the moment was, I actually, I mean, I think that moment was well executed. I, well executed. I, I don't think anybody has been, was upset by the actor's performance this season. I don't, I mean, mm-hmm. I think everyone's biggest issue this season was, was story writing. Um, I mean, I mean, typically I mean, most everyone has said, wow, you know, the acting was on point and, the music was, I mean, phenomenal, and um, you know, obviously the visual effects and everything was super cool. I think it's just mostly story is what people had had issues with. So, um, although when it comes to Game of Thrones, I've said this before, I really don't like watching behind the scenes stuff. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, you've said that before. Yeah, I really don't like watching bloopers, and and uh, but I don't really like watching bloopers in general because for me, it's then I start to lose that sense of um, like you suspend belief, right? When you're, when you're, when you're watching something. And so I like to think of these characters as the characters. So then once I see them, you know, like fall off the stage or, you know, slip or something, then it, it, it loses that. How I think of them in my mind as, as the characters. So, so I, 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 I but I am going to watch this one this weekend. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think too, as, as you say, so if you had issues with the story, I think when I was watching them read the story, I, I kind of felt like, wow, that that's their initial take on it. And they're, they're getting it all in one sit, you know, not all one sitting, but they're, they're reading through it and it's, uh, they weren't waiting week by week like we were and speculating and things They're they're getting it all right there. So that might be a little bit, a little bit more different. Um, so Anyways, let's move on here. Um, so let's see. Lady Debbie goes on to say just that she was breathless, filled with this sympathetic anxiety on behalf of everyone from the show, uh, managers, right, and, and different people, the security people, the location managers. Yeah, it's just a huge undertaking, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, so, of course, we could all imagine how much work our stars put into each shot they were in, but all of these other people were uh, expected to be on 
all the time and to have everything 100% ready to go on time and in place right down to having the right coffee available, (laughs) the right coffee, the water bottles, all that good stuff, right? Uh, Being in in those shots. Uh, Yeah, so after watching the amazing two-hour glimpse behind the scenes, there is no way I could not get behind Game of Thrones uh, as the absolute miracle uh, which these people and countless others brought into my house for nearly 10 years. The show should set a record for winning awards in so many categories, but where are the awards for the extras, the script managers, the people who kept the coffee coming, the nosy people off the sets or what have you, yeah, so, so on and so uh, so forth. The best way to award these people is to quit harping about what we as fans didn't get and try to be thankful for everything done by everyone from Kit Harrington uh, to Mrs. McCrum in the mobile kitchen. So that's from Lady Debbie. And I, I thought that, w- that was pretty neat just to kind of to give a thank you. There are so many people who, who, who work on that show and uh, it's, yeah, I mean, they put their heart and soul into it and they have to have everything ready. It's, it is what it is. It is nice. I mean, as much as we are, we want to criticize the story. We want to praise bits and pieces of it. It's nice to step back and just appreciate all the work and the effort that went into to making this come to life. You know, oftentimes a book series, when it's converted into a, a TV show or what have you, it's got a couple movies and it may fail. Uh, we've seen that with a couple different uh, fantasy stories. And so this is this got finished. This actually got finished and the books didn't get finished. So yeah, we ought to be a little thankful, right? That that we have this uh, to to enjoy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. Thanks again, Lady Debbie. We we appreciate it. Okay, uh, this the next one is from uh, Sir Weston the Enduring. He's actually sent us a bunch, and I'm glad that we finally get a get a, get a play one because um, I've, I've I've continuously continuously seen his, but just when yeah. we had so yeah. many ravens. Um, greetings, good sirs. First off, I want to thank you for the great content. I'm a professional triathlete, and your podcast, your podcast, excuse me, has entertaining has entertainment uh, through hundreds and hundreds of miles running and biking. I was listening to the podcast from a while back, episode forty one, uh, Catlin chapter forty, and I had an interesting thought about a what if situation. I realized that had things gone slightly differently. Lady Robin, little Robin Aaron and Shireen Baratheon could have been the power couple of Westeros. We know that John Aaron and Stannis were discovering the secret of Cersei's uh, children's parentage and that they were planning to foster Robert Aaron on Dragonstone, probably possibly to betroth Shireen and Robert. So had John told Robert that Cersei's children were Jaime's and Cersei's family been removed from power, that leaves Stannis Baratheon heir to the throne and with Shireen and Robert after him. Power couple of Westeros, all hail the Shireen and Robert. And Robert, uh, Thanks for bearing with me. I just thought it was funny to consider how much of this would have stuck in the Lannister cross or Weston the Enduring. <laughs> yeah, well, it sure would have. It absolutely sure would have. That That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, that thought had never really crossed my mind. But yeah, that, that probably would have been the power couple, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, John Aaron and, and Stannis were were close, and they were figuring that secret out. That's the whole, you know, when Eddard gets to King's Landing, where is Stannis, and why is he away and mysteriously away? And, and Robert's so consumed with mm-hmm. uh, drinking and whoring, and you know, being air quote king, he doesn't even care mm-hmm. why his brothers left. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, it's interesting to think about um, because. I mean, obviously, Shireen's fate in the show ends up being uh, and uh, puts her in a position where she can't really uh, 
yeah. betroth anyone. But uh, you know, Robin Aaron is still alive in the show at the at the end, and he now looks a lot less awkward. You know, he kind of looks like this small sure. little frail kid. And what the heck was clearly Milk was working for that guy. Uh, That's right. I mean, it's like That's he right. looks like a freaking Disney, you know, character or something now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. but he's you know in a situation where I mean. Is Sansa gonna get betrothed to somebody? Yeah, actually, and and she they they are working towards that in the books, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, oh gosh, uh, what is his name from from the Vale? Uh, Harry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he's Harry the heir. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So so and that's remember we brought up that whole bit about uh, Sir, Sir Duncan and and all the different people. Oh gosh, at the, at the at the tourney the trial by seven and we were going through the different houses and the people that she had either been, been with, uh, someone had been a cool connection to the men who have been in her life in Sansa's life and who was kind of coming next. Uh, and it had some correlation to some things that were happening in, in the Duncan egg series. I'll have to, I'll have to track that down. That was, mm-hmm. that was pretty, pretty interesting, but, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Harold Her- Harding. Yes. So, Harry the heir, right? And he's these sort of sometimes called the young falcon is showing up. But she's so that's when she's still Elaine, right? Mm-hmm. That's she's still Elaine and and uh and and um yeah, that will be coming up. Uh, we'll get more on that in, in wins for sure. But uh wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh all right. Uh, you got this next one? Uh yeah, I have zero idea how to pronun- pronounce this name. Uh, uh, <laughs> l- 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 I don't even want to. I don't even want to. I don't even want to try because I do not speak. It is butcher. Uh, how would you pronounce yeah. this name, Sir Ezra? Uh, Lamanus Z- Zamatias. Zamatias. Sorry. Uh, when it comes to non um English names, I I I, I we're terrible. I, I apologize. Okay, you know. We're stupid Americans. We are. We're we're, yeah, ignorant Americans over here. Um, so anyway, thank you for sending <laughs> us uh, a raven. Uh, well, actually, this is from the Facebook group, but nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. So is it clear that Daenerys is actually Azor High and the dragons are actually Lightbringer? Because according to legend, Lightbringer was a flaming sword that was forged in fire uh, and bloodied with Azor High's beloved wife, uh, wife's blood and Drogon's are... Uh, dragons are fire uh, spitting creatures that were born in the fire and it took the blood of Daenerys' child Drogo and Mira Mazdur. The only difference I find is that Lightbringer was forged only after the third try. However, I might be missing something with Daenerys' story that might be a metaphor of attempts to forge Lightbringer. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, so it, is it clear? It, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people say, "Oh, the dragons were born because of there's blood magic and then fire." So the fire and blood. Uh huh. Right. Right. Um, it, the dragons. Wow. So is it clear that that uh, Daenerys is actually Azora High, uh, and the dragons are actually Lightbringer? Could be because yeah. a lot of people say, you know, we we've talked before about the idea of Drogon being Lightbringer. Um, we've talked we've yeah. talked before about Drogon being Azor High, but I like the idea of Danny being Azor High. Then the, then you get the whole three heads of the dragon thing. If you want to tie that in as well, 
with with Drogon being Lightbringer because he's the one that actually destroys the Iron Throne, the symbol of uh, you know the wheel, the the thing that has caused everyone to continuously fight and fight and fight in Westeros. And now that's gone because he's the one he's, you know, he's the one that actually destroys it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, huh, that's interesting because then that would be kind of saying that like the blood that's, that's referred to here being her unborn child. Uh, well, wait, no. Uh, is that what they're saying here? Mm-hmm. I can't uh, think so. No. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think of like the niece and Nisa. Uh, situation like who who would that be in this in this scenario? Um, when you think of when you think of Danny as as Azor High and the dragons, well, I think bringer. I think that's what they're saying is is it is it clear? I definitely don't think oh, I definitely don't think it's sure. clear. No, no I yeah. definitely don't think it's clear. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That that's that's still I I do see a lot of people talking and discussing the the events of the of, of season eight uh, with with John and Danny and the things that happened there at the end. Uh, Trying to trying to sort through it all, you mm-hmm. know. I think the idea that dragons would be light bringers would is is interesting, you know, that they are bringers of light. So they sure lit up the place when uh, they're at the Battle of Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think so. that the show the show doesn't really break down a lot of these prophecies, uh, especially in season eight. It just kind of forgets them. It it, it seems like. Um, but I think that it hints at things. That, so if the books and the show do go the same way, um, you know, we talked about the Valonqar. Well, if it mm-hmm. goes the same way, Cersei dies because Jamie, you know, goes and captures her and he takes her down to the crypts because they're nothing. Well, the, the kind of the, the tunnels down there and trying to get out. Right. Like they're they're trying they're trying to get out. But it's also in a way Tyrion, who's the one who gets sets the boat up. So it is possible you could have Tyrion. So either way, you could argue that the Valonqar prophecy is fulfilled or that it's Tyrion is also the one who helps bring Danny over. And so that's ultimately Cersei's demise. And then you have the younger mm-hmm. queen that overthrows her. So there's definitely a lot of stuff that fits that Valonqar prophecy. They just don't ever come out and say it in the show. Um, Azora mm-hmm. High. Excuse me. Um, you have John who does still stab Danny. That could be that whole Nisa Nisa bit, and then Drogon could still be possibly Lightbringer because, as I, we talked about before, Drogon is the one that destroys that destroys the chair, right? And so mm-hmm. he could bring forth Lightbringer, yeah. or yeah, I mean, there's still there's tons of different uh, yeah. things you could argue. Yeah, right, right, okay. Oh boy, we just need the books, mm-hmm. my friend. We really, <laughs> we could really use them. So, uh, okay, I'll try to. Uh, I was I was doing a little digging here on the on the Sansa stuff that I brought up earlier. A lot of a lot of discussion about Sansa, and it's fitting. Uh, so I'm gonna get back to that later with the whole connection back to the Dunkin' Egg series. I'll see if I can find it and put a link down here for you guys because I'm close, but I don't wanna I don't wanna waste any time uh, looking that up here. So. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that was it for Ravens, Sir Matt. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's about it for this week. Uh, continue to send us those at btkcast at gmail dot com or as on the Facebook uh, message profile, or just continue to post stuff in the group, and we'll be keep pulling that stuff and using it at the end of the episodes as we go through um, a reread here. Yeah. Now, uh, you recently did a uh, we're, we're moving into man the wall so quickly. 
uh, if you would check out uh, patreon.com forward slash bend the knee. You did a amusing, correct? A couple musings, right? Mm-hmm. Recently? Yeah. Yeah. You, what were those about? I did one on my favorite episodes. And then yeah. I did a second one on the idea of if Bran actually is breaking the wheel or not. If, 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 did we, are we actually in a better position politically than we were before? Right. Okay. I like it. I like it because I saw a lot of comments on that second one and I thought that was, that was pretty neat. We do have an updated uh, schedule. So Sir Matt and I have kind of come up with a schedule for the next, for the rest of the year, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, subjects we want to cover on on Patreon. So if you're interested in learning about the attorney at Heron Hall, maybe what started all of this, some of the motivations behind uh, Rhaegar or this uh, possible conspiracy that was set up there at Heron Hall that didn't take place or did it. Uh, some of why Lyanna Stark was, air quote, uh, captured or how she, she became involved with Rhaegar. All that stuff that we're going to be talking about and discussing there on on patreon and we're also doing a what was the name of the new segment that we came up with for our a show, uh, show watcher's guide to the books yeah yeah so that should be a lot of fun and, and we're, we're excited for that so go check out uh, e- even if you just want to go look at the schedule and look at the topics we've got that posted there for free so everyone can go uh just look at the schedule and and see if there's you know, maybe there's a particular month that you want to hop in and listen to uh, a series that we're doing and uh, we want to put that out there so so you guys could know what was coming so mm-hmm. uh, all right well i think that is our show for this week so as always we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter 58 john 7 if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com we will see you in a week and remember that winter is coming Bye.